0: Hill, good morning good
1: morning um, It truly is a joy for Carmen me to be with you again this morning when when we left this morning we were excited driving up 95 because it, it does not feel like driving to a different church. like a, a neighboring faraway church. It feels almost like coming home um, and so it is a joy for us to be here. Um, those of you who were with us over Thanksgiving, Thank you for making the drive and for coming. That was amazing to have two churches together. It was amazing to hang out with you and to worship with you and to be together. Um, thank you for doing that. And then lastly, I will say, um, I spoke to Karen and I spoke to Josh Jr. this morning because it is his son Joshua's, we just keep having one name through the generation. It is Joshua's birthday today and so we called and we talked with Josh Jr and he knew I'm preaching and he said, Dad, you have to say hello to everybody. So this is hello from Josh Jr. in, um, in South Africa at the moment with these parents. They're going to Namibia next week to get ready to move here at the end of the month. Now remember this, readings and salutations are not part of the sermon, so you cannot take my time. Readings and salutations are separate, so my time only starts now, if anybody is timing. <laughs> And what if you realize that much of our lives, much of your life, you live in response to things that you hear and feel and see and experience. Uh, You respond to a sense of hunger by grabbing a snack or actually eating. You respond to hearing your name said to paying attention immediately. Uh, You respond to the victory of your favorite sports team by rejoicing, and you respond by feeling a little yucky by either taking a pill or going to the doctor. Um, You respond to your alarm clock. I have no idea how you respond to your alarm clock, but you respond in some way to that alarm clock. And so a thousand times a day, you and I respond To things that we sense and feel and hear and perceive. To respond to those things in a specific way. And so this morning, we are going to be in the second chapter of Colossians. And what we'll see here today is that Paul is soliciting a response to us today. And the response is in response to what he has revealed... Christ, who he has revealed Christ to be, he is now going to solicit a response from us by living in a certain way. Now, if you were here when I preached last August, you'll remember I preached from Colossians 1, verses 15 to 18 or 19. This, This portion of scripture is called the preeminence of Christ. And in here, we saw Paul just bursting forth in exaltation about Jesus Christ and who he is. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. By him and for him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth. And in him, in Jesus Christ, all things hold together. The, the the all the stars are held together today all matters held together your blood pressure is held together everything is holding together in Christ Jesus he is also the head of the body the, the head of his body the church and so Paul says in everything Christ is preeminent it means he is supreme he is christ above all who reconciled to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace hear this good news making peace by the blood of his cross what a savior and so this is who paul in colossians 1 exalted christ to be and when we get to chapter 2 in verse 6 and 7 we see that there is now a transition and there is a response required. So, the first word in, in, in verse 6 is a transition word. It's the word to therefore. And you can hear this means, oh, because of this, therefore this. And so there's a hinge that happens. And so we take a turn from primarily exalting Christ and glorifying him to our necessary. <coughs> and appropriate response to who he is and that is to walk in a manner worthy of christ and so this morning we want to both answer the question what does it mean to walk in a manner worthy of christ and then we need to do the work in our own lives to determine are we in fact walking in a manner worthy of christ and so please turn if you have not already Please turn with me to Colossians 2, and we're going to read verses 6 and 7 together. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word and may he help us to hear well and respond to his word. Here's the point of this message. All those who have received Christ by faith are to respond to his supremacy and his lordship by living and walking in a manner worthy of him. We'll see this from our, from our text this morning. When we look at verse 6, the first few words says, Therefore, transition, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. And the word received here is a significant word. We often see Paul use this word throughout his teachings in terms of someone receiving or accepting the knowledge of, or the instruction, or the tradition about Jesus Christ, or about the gospel of Jesus Christ. An example is 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1, which says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received. But in keeping with the Christological focus of the letter of Colossians, it's Clear that Paul refers here to more than only receiving knowledge or teaching or tradition about Christ. He's not merely referencing them believing the message kind of vaguely, the gospel message kind of vaguely, but he is saying that they received Christ Himself. They believed in Him as their Savior. And therefore they received him and were transferred to his kingdom as their Lord. And so Colossians 1 verse 14 says this, says, "He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption." The forgiveness of sins. So those words, as you receive in verse 6, says, As you place Colossians, your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you received him in order to, by faith, be saved. And then it says, Who did they receive? Those four words, Christ Jesus the Lord. Those are four words that we should not overlook or quickly read over. We should not miss the significance of them. Jesus is not only the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, but he's also the Lord. Christ Jesus, the Lord. And Lord speaks of his authority. It speaks of him being the master over all. It speaks of Jesus' right to rule with absolute power over those who belong to him and our absolute submission unto him. Christ Jesus the Lord says we cannot have Jesus as Savior and not only Savior but we must also submit to him as Lord. Christ Jesus our Lord he is the image of of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation, the head of the body, the church. This is who they received unto salvation. And now Paul is telling the Colossian Christians, as well as us, you and me this morning, that because of who Jesus is, Savior and Lord Because they received him by faith. That there is now a necessary and a required response from us. If we look again at Colossians 2 verse 6. Therefore as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Next four words. So walk in him. Or as Paul previously described the nature of this walk with him. In chapter 1 and verse 10 he says. Walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to Him bearing fruit in every good work so the response that Paul is soliciting from everyone who has received Christ by faith is to continue to walk to endure to the end in a manner that is worthy of And pleasing to Christ Jesus our Lord and to bear much fruit and so we have to ask practically Josh what does this look like what type of living what type of walking is worthy of the Lord is fully pleasing of the Lord and of course we can we can go to our Bibles and the Bible is brooming with examples of what our lives should look like. And we can ask, does a life of faith please God? Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, And without faith it's impossible to please God. So does a life of faith please God? Yes. If we obey the command to love, as is laid out in 1 Corinthians 13, is that pleasing to the Lord? Yes if we live a life of unity in the body of Christ is that worthy of the Lord yes is a life that perfectly displays the fruit of the spirit pleasing to God Yes. what about if you're poor in spirit if you hunger and thirst for righteousness if you're merciful if you have a pure heart you're a peacemaker You're persecuted for the sake of righteousness. What are those? The Beatitudes, Matthew 5. Is such a lifestyle pleasing to the Lord? Yes. And so we can go on and on and on looking for examples. But here's the thing this morning that we need to realize, church. That pursuing all those things is not what it means to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Those things, and we can make a very long list, those things are the fruit that will be produced in our lives and will be evident when we indeed walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. If you make pursuing those things your goal in life, I am going to be patient. You will pursue it till the end of days and you will be frustrated and you will be angry and burnt out because only the Lord can produce the fruit of righteousness in us when we live in close union with Him. There's a hint. When we live in close union with Him. Now let me explain with Paul Tripp's example. I'm not sure if you all saw that I snuck in. I snuck in a few things here this morning. I didn't I I came bearing gifts. (laughs) So imagine this is my life. This branch is my life. It's a little sprawny little branch. And we go like if if we judge this life by the fruit that it is bearing, does this look like a life that is pleasing to the Lord? I don't see any fruit on this thing so I'm going to go with no but then I'm going to go like all right, how how do I do this I can do fruit I now have faith like a banana and patience like an orange I have fruit people now does my life look like a life fully pleasing to the Lord And the answer is no. And the reason this life is not fully pleasing to the Lord, friends, is because of this. This is why this life is not pleasing to the Lord. Because this is severed from the vine. And those fruit, in a week of hanging on here, they're going to be rotten. And so for you and for me to pursue these fruits and see how much of this I can produce in my own life to have it on here is not a life pleasing to Christ. Paul tells us the nature of our walker in our passage. He says, therefore, as you perceive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him. And so he's using these two metaphors, rooted and built up in him. And so we've heard the first one already this morning when the lady read Psalm 1. What does it say about the man who meditates on God's word? He's like a tree planted by the water and his roots go down. And so Paul is saying, using this same metaphor. He is saying, this is how we are to walk. We are to be rooted. So think of a tree planted in fertile soil and his roots grow down and draws up nourishment. Or a branch that is abiding in the vine not severed but abiding in the vine from where it can draw up nourishment and the other metaphor he uses is built up in him it speaks of you and me being built into this new structure which is Christ's body The life that is worthy of the Lord is not one that wills itself to bear fake fruit, but a life that is united to Christ, drawing up nourishment from Christ. It is a life, therefore, that is submitted to him, that treasures him, that is in awe of him, and that is obedient to him, seeking his honor and his glory above all else. And the result of that life will be a life that is brimming of fruit. But my life looks pretty. Look, I can show you these fruits. There's kindness and self-control. And it may look good, friends, but as long as this vine, this life, is not abiding in the vine, This is not a life that is fully pleasing to God. And so as long as our lives are lived for my own selfish desires, for my own comforts, rather than a joyful obedience to Christ, my life will at best have fruit that is fake listen to John 15 verse 4 and 5 well known piece of scripture abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me i am the vine you are the branches whoever abides in me and i in him he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing and so we have to stop and evaluate we have to look at our lives and say, okay, if, if this is what a life looks like, if the result of an abiding life is this fruit that is produced by God, I have to look at my life and ask, what if I consistently in my own life see an absence of the fruit of righteousness, the fruit that is all throughout God's word? Or what if I look at my life and I see more fruit of unrighteousness? What if the fruit in my life is more consistent with the domain of darkness than the kingdom of His beloved Son where the Bible says we were transferred to? What if the fruit in my life does not look like the fruit produced by an abiding life? And friend, if this is if this is you then the Bible tells us that we then have to seriously examine the authenticity of our faith whether we are in fact in Christ because if receiving Christ according to Colossians 2 or being born again John 3 or abiding in Christ John 15 if those things was authentic, if saving faith was authentic in my life, there must be enduring evidence of it in my life. There must be, on the one hand, a growth in personal holiness, which we will see by fruit that is produced by the Spirit, and there must be, on the other hand, a battle against the sin that so quickly entangles. Titus 2 in verse 14 says this. Christ Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. But it does not stop there. Then it says, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Your redemption and my redemption is not Only to save us from eternal punishment and to save us from a life with Christ but it is to purify us it is to purify us for his own possession to redeem a bride for Christ a holy bride and the ESV study notes on this verse says there is no room claiming to be redeemed while providing no evidence of practical transformation. If our salvation is real, it should be evident in our lives. True conversion must be accompanied by and authenticated by evidence of that conversion. A dying to self, a treasuring of Christ, an increase in holiness, and a mortification of sin should be, Christian, evident in our lives for all to see. And I I realize, I I know that this this is not the most comfortable thing to talk about, but I can tell you that I do not believe that there is more important thing for us to do than to evaluate whether our faith in Christ is authentic it is critical for us to do that do not assume do not assume because you because you prayed a sinner's prayer when you were in college and now you live unto yourself that your faith is authentic do not assume because you've come to church for years and years and years that just that makes your faith authentic. We have to examine ourselves to see if the fruit of the life that we profess in Christ is actually present in our lives. Remember what Jesus said. He said a tree will be known by its fruit. I cannot say that I'm a fig tree and then produce oranges. It does not work like that. A fig tree bears figs and a Christian bears the fruit of righteousness produced by the Holy Spirit in us. Jim Elif wrote a little booklet called Wasted Faith and in there he says this. He says most people will spend far more time examining the vegetables in the supermarket than they will ever spend scrutinizing their own faith. Oh, may that never be the case for us. May that never be the case for us. The Bible is clear, friends. Here, Hebrews 13 and verse 5. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you unless, indeed, you fail to meet the path? And so when I'm I'm asking you to examine your life, friends, this is is not a Josh asking, this this is God asking. We have to examine our lives to see if our faith is authentic. It is one of the most important things we can do. And here's how we can do it. We can look at our own lives, but we often lie to ourselves. Karin and I spoke about this in the car this morning as we were driving up. How quickly we can see sin in other people's lives, but not in our own lives. The same sin, but I'm blind to my own sin. And so we have families and we have friends. And we should ask our families and our friends, can you tell me, Do you see authentic fruit of a submitted life to Christ in my life? Not just, I think you're okay, but specific, what do you see? And if so, if you if you examine your life, yourself and by friends, and you see the sweet fruit of righteousness. Now remember what we're after is not perfection. I'm not saying everything that the Bible says, we have to be checked, I'm doing this, I'm perfect in this. We will never get there, but we need to be in a trajectory that is upward and not down. And so if you ask the people in your lives, do you see the fruit of righteousness that the Holy Spirit produces in me, and they give you examples, then rejoice. Because those are fruit that is produced by the Holy Spirit of God. The only way that they are in you is if they are persistent fruit. But if you find little proof, what then? What if you find little proof, little authenticating proof in your life of your profession of faith? What then? Well, here's the very, very good news friends: It does not have to continue like that. There is grace in our Lord Jesus Christ. In his life and death and resurrection, there is hope for us to have authentic faith in him. And so if you look at your life and you see little or no authentic faith, what do you do? The first thing is we humble ourselves before God, knowing that authentic, true faith can come from him only. And then we cry out to him, like the tax collector did, be merciful to me, Lord, a sinner. And we ask him, will you please give me authentic faith? And will you produce in me the fruit that shows my authentic faith? We admit our needs, we admit our need for Christ's saving work in our lives. And we repent of our sin. We ask God to forgive us, to give us true life. And then we believe that if we turn to him in faith, he will never turn us away. Never. That is the great news of the gospel, friends. When we go to him in humility and in repentance, he will always answer our prayer. God is merciful when we humbly come to him. All those who have received Christ by faith are to respond to his supremacy and lordship by walking in a manner worthy of him. So let's listen to three men describing what walking in a manner worthy of the Lord looks like first word goes to Mr. John Piper. Love the guy. Listen to what he says. It is to live by a single soul-satisfying passion for the supremacy of God in all things. You can just hear it's Piper language. right? And so if we paraphrase verse 6 this morning by taking his definition, verse 6 would then read, as you have received Christ Jesus our Lord by faith now live by a single soul satisfying passion for the supremacy of Christ That is walking in a manner worthy of Christ Second person is Paul and in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 2 he says for I decided to know Nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I really like that he has the word decided in there. I have decided. It says we have a responsibility. I have decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Here's the thing. I am a a chemist by trade. And so when I went to school for chemistry... I did not attend any theater classes. And I did not go on interior decorator conference weekends. Why? I studied chemistry, organic chemistry, analytical chemistry, inorganic chemistry, physical chemistry. Those are the things I studied, not interior design. And so I had a a passion, I had a passion to to know nothing but chemistry. As I was studying, I was passionately focused on becoming a chemist. And so if we desire to walk in a manner worthy of Christ, fully pleasing to Him, and I pray that that will be my and your deep, deep desire, then our lives should be characterized by a single, focused passion for Jesus. We should desire to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so the question, okay, Josh, how do I cultivate this passion? How do I cultivate this passion, single soul focused passion on Jesus? The same way that you cultivate your passion for classical music or for football Or for fishing, by immersing yourself in that, you don't wake up one morning and go like, "Starting today, I'm a Bruce Springsteen fan." It's not how it happens. You start listening to his music, start liking it a little bit, liking it more, loving it, until you are passionate about him. So, if we want to be passionate about Jesus Christ, what do we do? We spend time to get to know Him. How do we do that? Well, where is Jesus most fully and perfectly revealed? Here, in His Word. And so, if you want to grow in passion for Jesus Christ, then read His Word. Do what Psalm One says. And love that we read Psalm One this morning. Do what Psalm One says. Meditate on God's Word day and night. Read it. Study it. Talk with friends about it. Listen to sermons. And what will happen? You will grow in your passion for Jesus. And as you read, ask him, Lord, will you please reveal yourself to me in these pages? And as I see you on these pages, will you grow my passion for you? Will you help me to see clearly Not technically who you are, but relationally. Will you help me to see you and know you? And when you do that, you will have a transformed heart that has passion for Christ above all. And know this, whatever you and I give our attention and our time and our money to, will become Our heart's deepest desire and passion. It's just a a fact. Make that Christ. Sing about him. Listen to music that has good biblically informed lyrics. Talk to your friends. Meditate on God's Word. Take the time to spend much time doing it. And you know what will happen? There's that song, Put your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful light, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and day. That is will, what will happen. The more that you focus on Christ, the more this world will grow strangely dim. So am I saying you may not play video games? No. Am I saying you may not uh, watch YouTube channel? No. Am I saying you may not enjoy a nice uh, motorcycle ride? As I know some do. No. I'm not saying that. Am I saying you may not do whatever fill in the blank? No. What I am saying is that there should not be a disproportionate passion or commitment to anything in our lives more than to Christ and Him exalted. Remember Paul says in Philippians 3, in verse 8 and 9, he says, Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And so you and I have to look at our lives and say, what is there? What is there in my life that really should be on the rubbish pile? In order to gain Christ, this is the rubbish. And again, it's an an area where we can ask our friends and our family to help us to see what we can repent of. And you may say this morning, Sounds a little legalistic what you're preaching, Josh, But it is not. Friends, there is nothing that we can lose that is not worth gaining Christ. Whatever there is in my life that I hold on to so dearly, and there are many things, there are many things that I hold on dearly because I like them, I love them, I enjoy them. And there are some of those things that I need to put on that trash pile in Christ. Here's the question. Is there a single soul-satisfying passion for the supremacy of Christ in your life? This is what we need to ask ourselves every morning when we wake up. Josh, is there a soul-satisfying passion? passion for the supremacy of Christ in your life. If not, we go to God humbly and we ask him, Lord, will you give me mercy today? Will you help me? Will you fuel my passion for your glory? I don't know if you've seen this. I've seen this in my own life where where today I feel like I'm living on the brink of heaven. I'm so passionate. And two days later, I feel like a villain. And I look at my life and I go, like, where's this passion for Christ? And I realize I've been busy with the things of the world. I've not been busy with his word. And as I repent, as I go back to his word, asking for mercy, asking for repentance, more and more, that single soul satisfying passion, he is stirring that up in us. He wants to do that for us. He wants us to live a passion life in him we'll end by looking at the third man to see what walking in a manner worthy of the Lord looks like he is Isaiah and this is Isaiah chapter 26 verses 8 and 9 he says yes Lord walking in the way of our laws we wait for you your name and your renown are the desires of my heart. My soul yearns for you in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs for you. Walking in a manner worthy of Christ is saying to Jesus, our Lord, your name and your renown are the desires of my heart. My soul yearns for you. My spirit longs. That's the lifestyle that is worthy of Christ. Not one where we hang fake fruit on there and try and look better. The lifestyle that Christ desires from us is one that is abiding in him, that desires him, longs for him, yearns for him. My comfort is not the desire of my heart, neither is my passion for cycling my enjoyment of entertainment or even my deep love for my wife no the primary desire of my heart is the name and the renown of the most high god christ is first in my life christ above all whatever else competes for my passions and my desires and my love will lose to my passion for christ that is walking, friends, in a manner worthy of the Lord. And Paul tells us what that, a life like that will produce in our, in our passage this morning in verse 7. He says, we will be abounding in thanksgiving. It's another fruit that we can look for in our lives. Am I abounding in thanksgiving? If I am, it is because it is created there by God's Holy Spirit. I pray that God will help you and me to do what he calls us in this passage this morning to live a life in which Jesus and his renown is the primary desire of our hearts and our lives and that all other desires will pale in comparison to that one and if, if we do that if he gives us the grace to do that we will be able to say that we walk in a manner worthy of christ can we can we make that happen we cannot we can do the steps that he calls us to we can spend much time in here sing read worship meditate study and ask humbly ask and if he grants us that i pray that for you church that you will walk in a manner worthy of christ that jesus in his renown will be your primary desires of your heart may he do that please. amen the worship team will come up please i'm going to pray for us father god we we come humbly to you this morning Realizing that so often when we look at our lives, we don't see a single soul-satisfying delight and pleasure of you. So often when I look at my own life, I, I see a lukeness. I see many desires for the world many pleasures of my own. Father, this morning as a church, together we come and we bow before you and, and we ask for your help. Will you help us, Lord, as we read your word to reveal your Son to us, to reveal the precious gospel of Jesus Christ to us? Will you help us that when we see Jesus clearly that we will grow that we will yearn for you, that we will long for you and that we will desire you above everything else. But we know that we are not to produce this in our own lives and we cannot, we cannot produce passion for you. But I ask that every, every person here, that we will grow in deciding, like Paul, to know nothing except Christ Jesus and him crucified. Will you do this for this church? Will they grow in their desire and their passion for you? And may this be known as a place where Christ is highly exalted because you are worthy of all our worship and praise. May our lives reflect that. We love you, Lord. I pray this for you, Colossians 1, verse 11 and 12. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. Oh, may it be for you. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Stay